Okay, good morning, everyone. Good to see you. I want to mention that the Shear is sponsored by Yitzhi and Nancy Preter as a chus for a fuashlema for Nancy's mother, Rivka Baschanova. We've been talking about the Tfilos of Shabbos. I think in a certain sense we've, we of course, have done, have done nothing exhaustively, but have touched upon Shachris, Kabbalah Shabbos, Mincha Ma'arev, Musaf, Sukhli Zimra of Shabbos, Nishmas, Mizmar Shirli Yom HaShabbos. Today I would like to focus on something, and uh, the, the idea of focusing on it today is both because it is on topic, to speak about the tefillahs of Shabbos, the special prayers that we have of Shabbos. And as well, it, as you'll see, it is a little bit timely, considering the fact that yesterday we were Mavarech Chodesh Adar, which will enter in Mirat Hashem this week, Tuesday and Wednesday, Arash Chodesh Adar. And uh, perhaps, to some degree, the greatest source for this tefillah of Shabbos, the earliest source we have, maybe, I'm not sure, for this tefillah of Shabbos is actually... Um, something to do with Purim. In Shulchan Aruch, in Simon Reish Pei Tes, in chapter 289 of the Shulchan Aruch, the Code of Jewish Law and the Laws of Shabbos, it has the order of Sudas Shachris, of the morning Suda of Shabbos, and it tells us about what we're supposed to do, you know, different things about how you make, uh, how you set the tables and, and make Kiddush, it doesn't tell you how to make chill. <laughs> um, doesn't tell you how to make chill. However, in the in this in this simon, in uh, it says v'yisait, and he should have a suda. Writes the Mishnah Bura, kasa b'rakeach simon undalid. There's a sefer which was called the Sefer Harokeach. Um, which also didn't tell you how to make a filter fish, um, but it's uh, it's uh, it's it's a safer from one of the great Rishonim, and it says Achar she'achlu kol tzarkon after you've eaten all you need to, yesh mezamrim zmirais v'shavach la'akodesh baruch hu. Some sing zmirais and praises to Akodesh baruch hu. Some sing zmirais and praises to Akodesh baruch hu. And then writes the Mishnah from the Elio Rabbah, let's learn to, it's good to learn some Torah before eating. But he says that there's a, 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 a value of people say, singing Zmiras. Everyone has uh, Zmiras Bichar, you know, uh, benchers, you know, which, which are filled with, with the Zmiras of Shabbos that people are accustomed to say. It's common custom. Baruch Hashem, that it's a feature of the Shabbos table, that we sing Zmiras, whether when we're welcoming the Shabbos and we say Shalom Aleichem, when we say Eish uh, uh, or the, all the Zmiras, the Menucha Simcha and the Baruch Kelelyan, and the Yem Zemechubad, and the Yem Shabboson, and Kari Olam, all these Zmiras, which are staples, or, 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 or we would hope would be staples, of the, of the Jewish practice and the Jewish home and how we celebrate Shabbos. So this is not found in the Shulchan Aruch, it's found in a note that the Mishnah Brewer brings from the Rokeach in Hilchas Shabbos. And, but there is one place where it's in fact found, as far as I know, maybe there are other sources, but there's one place where it is clearly found and described in the Gemara. And it's a Gemara in all places in Meseches Megillah, where the Gemara says something in the framework of a feature of the story that all of us, all of us are aware of. And what's that? The whole story of the Megillah starts with Ahasuerus making his great feast. And it says during that great feast, Bayom Hashvi'i, Ketov Lev HaMelech Bayayin, on the seventh day, when the king's heart was gladdened by wine, which you, you know you could imagine what that means, right? So what did he say? So then he went and he summoned Vashti to come to Suras Achashverosh. And let me take a moment here to read to you exactly what the Pasuk says in the original. It's in Perak Aleph of Megillas Esther. So it says as follows. 
On the seventh day, as the king's heart was gladdened by wine, he told his seven helpers to bring Vashti before the king in the crown of kingdom, in her wearing her crown as a queen, to show the nations and the leaders her beauty. He wanted to show off the beauty of Vashti to the assembled, because she was beautiful. And Vashti, as we know, refused to come and to appear before the king and before all of the invited guests in this way. So the Gemara says, the passage of the Gemara that I'm quoting to you comes from Megillah, Daf Yud Beis, Amad Beis. And the Gemara says, um, Why on the seventh day do we say when his heart was gladdened by wine? Ahasuerus' heart was, par- was probably gladdened by wine by the seventh minute of the party. Amar Rava Rava says, Yom Hashvi Shabbos When we... The Jewish people hear, hear the word on the seventh day, our ears perk up. And we say it's not talking just, okay, the seventh day of the party, right? the seventh game of the World Series. It's, it's, it's the seventh day, the seventh day, Shabbos. The seventh day is a day when the Jewish people feast and drink. And then what happens? When we eat and drink, we break out in words of Torah and words of praise to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But when you have this kind of a party of these people eating, feasting and drinking, what they get into are matters of tiflus. Tiflus is of... Uh, what's a good word for tiflus in English? What? Prost. Prost, vulgarity, you know, base stuff. Shtuyot, yes. V'chein b'sudase shalaisei rasha. And so the Gemara says, and everyone's familiar with this from, from the Midrashic and various versions of telling the story of Purim, that that's what happened at this meal. There was a big argument. Each of the assembled states were having an argument about where the which women's with the communities women which the women of which community are more beautiful who's the fairest of them all right and Achashverosh said in a very vulgar way and he spoke about he boasted about his wife and he didn't speak of her as a wife he spoke about a about a kli as a as a as a as a, as a tool as an instrument as an object and uh, and so she was summoned to come before them. And you all know what Chazal say about when it says in the crown, that that was all that she would come before them. That she would come not properly, not, not, not clothed, period. And he wanted to be able to show her off to everybody. And Vashti refused. And Vashti refused. And Vashti's refusal is in itself puzzling to the Gemara. Because Vashti was no tzaddikis. She was not a. She was. She was also lidvaravir in iskavna, as the uh, the Gemara says. Gemara says, I, like, why does she? Why does she suddenly? Uh, why does she suddenly refuse? Pritzasa havoi, right? She was a, a, a not not a modest person. And the Gemara says things grew on her that made it that she wasn't proud of how she looked, whether she a tail, the way the Gemara says, whether that means literally a tail or she had some kind of a, of a growth, a wart, whether she broke out in saras and some kind of leprosy, but she wasn't ready to, to come out, not for reasons, not for reasons of modesty. And the Gemara goes on, actually before it says that last piece, and says that this was mida keneged mida, this was measure for measure. And it was because what Vashti used to do as a queen, was she had Benais Yisrael, she had Jewish girls who were there to serve her, and she had them work for her on Shabbos, unclothed. And so, Mida Keneged, Mida, measure for measure, she was summoned to break her dignity, to appear unclothed, Bayim Hashvi, on the seventh day. That's the Gemara. Now what this Gemara says is that on Shabbos, 
the Jewish people have a chance to demonstrate how we behave. What happens? Shabbos is a weekly day of feasting for the Jewish people. Eichlim v'shaisim. We eat and we drink. And what comes out from our eating and drinking? Words of Torah and words of praise to HaKadosh Baruch And that's the difference. Look what happened on their seventh day. Look what happened on their party. When their party was, stands in contrast, there's the way they party and there's the way we party. And that's what the Gemara says. And this, arguably, this Gemara is the primary source, not for saying long psuke de zimra on Shabbos morning when you're in shul or when you're davening wherever you're davening, but for sitting at a table and doing a special kind of shiris v'sishbachis. If over our past discussions we've established that one of the features of Tfilah Shabbos is that while we are short on requests, and Chazal made a very specific point of us being short on requests, we are long on shiris v'sishbachis, on praises to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Psuke de Zimra is much longer. Nishmas Kolchai, right, that expression that we talked about last time of how you know the neshama is alive so the neshama praises the neshama is 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 there to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. but we do something that's not reserved for the shul it's not reserved for the corner of your living room where you like to daven you know with your head buried in a sitter no it's at the Shabbos table and bedafka and specifically when you're full that's what it says, right? They eat and they drink, and then maschilin bedivrei tayra v'sishbachis. You know, sometimes people don't have so much patience for zmiras before the main course. There's a famous story of the Chafetz Chaim, that the young man came, showed up at the, showed up with erev Shabbos in Radin, and he came to the Chafetz Chaim. He was a relative. There are different versions of the story like all good stories, and, uh, and, uh, and he came to the Chavetz Chaim's house, and the Chavetz Chaim started the Friday night meal with Kiddush. And then he made a maitzi, and then they served gefilte fish, and then they sang Shalom Aleichem. And the person said, whoa, one second, you know, I thought I was going to an Orthodox rabbi. You know, like, what's going on over here? Right? So the Chavetz Chaim said, you just came from the road. You were hungry. You were, you were tired. So I made Kiddush first. And then afterwards, we can sing Shalom Aleichem. There's a person in front of you, he needs a bigger Shalom Aleichem than the Malach. Right? So sometimes people don't have patience uh, for Zmiris until afterwards, but at some point. Yeah, it doesn't say it in Shulchan Aruch, but it describes this in the Gemara as just, this is just the way the Jewish people did Shabbos. The way the Jewish people did Shabbos, the way the Jewish people do Shabbos is they eat and they drink. And they have Torah, and they have Tishbachis. This is the way a Jewish table is supposed to look. And I think, you know, just parenthetically, we always always like to say this to people that that uh, this is what a Sudas Purim is supposed to look like too. Now, if a Sudas Purim, uh, you know, de- de- devolves or degenerates into something into something which is not a place of singing and words of Torah for whatever reasons, you know, artificial and otherwise, so then we're not doing what the Gemara says was a central turning point or point of focus of the whole story of Purim was, look what the difference is. Look what happens when Jews eat and drink. They break out in song, they break out in words of Tyra. And that's, that's, that needs to come, whether it's a little bit more you know, free-flowing song and words of Tyra, you know, okay, so to each, you know, to each their own. But if it ends up in something else, if it ends up in something different, then unfortunately we're not making Sudas Purim, we're making Sudas Achashverosh. Then we're making Sudas Achashverosh. The Suda of the Jewish people is supposed to be this way. And this brings us to talk about an aspect of Shabbos, which Zmirais bring together as an aspect of the prayers of Shabbos. And that is that on Shabbos we're supposed to eat and drink. We're supposed to have a nice suda, a very, very fine suda. I think I told some of you the story that um, we had, uh, I once 
had to uh, uh, have a, uh, uh, an appliance repairman come to our house. We had done something to change some things in our kitchen, and we were, you know, we're very, uh, all of us were all very careful and try to be efficient about space. So you need to have a vent fan over your stove, right? But, you know, you figure you get one of those microwaves with a vent fan underneath, and you use the space, and you maximize, and it's fantastic, and everything else. So we did that. And then we noticed after a little while, after not so long, that the that there was a, a crack that had developed in the door of the microwave. And we called the appliance repairman because, of course, it was still under warranty. And the appliance repairman came and, of course, said that it wasn't covered by the warranty. Um, so so what, what did he say to me? He says, uh, he, says uh, he says, you guys, he says, I work in this neighborhood. He says, I know you. He says, you don't understand. Those microwaves over the stove are made for the rest of us. We cook for Thanksgiving. He says, it's not made for you people. You make Thanksgiving feasts every week. It, it can't withstand the heat. It'll crack the thing. It, it cracks the door. So, Baruch Hashem, the, the, the vent fan still works. We haven't used the microwaves for years because the doors are cracked and you can't use a microwave with a cracked door. It's very unsafe. So, so you know, that, that's the... That's the thing. We're, we, we do this all the time. It's a feature of Shabbos. It's a feature of Shabbos that we, we do it. And by the way, you know, that Chazal make this into a, a metaphor for the whole work of our lives. What's the metaphor for life in this world? And Olam Haba, a person who worked hard on Erev Shabbos will be able to eat, will be able to feast on Shabbos. It's understood. It's preparing for the meals of Shabbos, Shabbos meals. So here's the question for us. What is the religious significance of Shabbos meals? Of having feasts? Every week, L'Kavit Shabbos. What's the meaning of that? Now, our class is not supposed to be about the feasts of Shabbos. It's supposed to be about the tefillahs of Shabbos. But we're also trying to learn about Shabbos from the framework of the tefillahs of Shabbos. But here we have a whole section of tefillahs of Shabbos. Nobody says them any, hardly anybody says them any other time. The songs of Shabbos composed specifically, okay, there's a debate about Koribon, whether it was composed for Shabbos. You'll notice next time you pull out a, a bencher at your Shabbos table, it's the only one of those mirrors of Shabbos that doesn't sing about Shabbos. It's just about, it's just about the Rabbeinu Shalavim. And so some, some people say Koribon on, on Matzah Yom Kippur, some people say it, you know, other times, whatever it is, but... Otherwise, as Mirza Shabbos, they're all singing about Shabbos. They're songs of Shabbos. Even Koribayin, of course, is adopted as a, as, a zemer of, as a zemer of Shabbos. And it's a zemer of Shabbos at a laden table, at a, at, a, at a table where we sit and eat. And we have to understand the relationship of them. And here, this Gemara is telling us that this is what it's about. It's a feature of Jewish life. We eat and we feast and we celebrate and we break out in words of Torah and in songs of praise. Songs of praise to Akhodesh Baruch we need to We need to see this, we need to understand this. So again, because it's Erev Purim, we could, we could go about this in different ways, but because it's Erev Rosh Chodesh Adar, the beginning where we should start to be thinking about Purim, let's use the pathway in order to approach this question. Let's talk about it a little bit from a Purim perspective. And from a famous teaching, it's a mystical teaching, it's from, from the Arizal, that I think many people are familiar with, and that is that there's another day in the year, a very different day in the year, which is known as Yom Kippurim, the Day of Atonement. And while Kippurim is a completely different word, however, it sounds very similar, and it could be pronounced as Kippurim, Yom Kippurim, a day as Purim, like Purim. And Arizal famously said that there's a relationship between Yom Kippur and Purim, and he even went so far as to say, Mi nitle mi, kata nitle When you say, this is like that, 
it's usually, you know, you're referring to the smaller thing and you're saying they're like that greater thing, right? You say, you know, he talks like Rabbi Kiva Eger, you know? So Rabbi Kiva Eger was the great Godel, and you want to say this person, very bright, like Rabbi Kiva Eger, Kota So you don't say Purim, it's like Yom Kippur. You say Yom Kippur is like Purim, Yom Kippurim. Wow, Yom Kippur is Shabbos Shabbosoin, the Sabbath of all Sabbaths, Kodesh Kadosh, what do we call it? The Yom HaKodesh, right? The holy day, Yom Kippur, everybody, like Malochim, like angels. And Purim is what Yom Kippur is compared to, right? And Yom Kippur, everybody comes in white, right? And Purim, right? Like, what's going on? You know, I drive around on Purim and you stop at a traffic light and you see... What is that ridiculous-looking person doing in that car? Like, you know, in the other direction. Like, what's everybody else in the world thinking? Now, we might think that on Yom Kippur also, when people are walking down the street, seeing a bunch of people walking home in dress clothes and sneakers. Okay, but it's quite not the same as a person with a clown nose, you know, <laughs> you know at, a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a traffic light. So, like, Yom Kippurim, that Yom Kippur is compared to Purim, what's the idea? And an, an idea, which again I think is familiar to, 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 to many, is that, well, yes, it's true, these two days in a certain sense, in a certain sense, couldn't be more different. They couldn't be more different. Yom Kippur is a day which is completely and totally spiritual. It's a day when we act like malachim, like angels. We dress like malachim. We stand like malachim. We don't eat or drink like malachim, like angels don't need to eat or drink. Yom Kippur is a day which is completely dedicated to the spiritual. We're there from morning pretty much until night. Okay, maybe sometimes there's a break. But from morning till night, no meals, nothing. A day which is completely, completely for the Rabbanisham as people of the spirit. A day when we would be able to go into the Kaidash HaKadoshim, to the Holy of Holies, to have the closest encounter with the Rabbana Shalom, because to encounter the Rabbana Shalom who's completely spiritual, so we have to be completely spiritual. Right? You remember, Hashem told Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, as he was approaching him, remove your shoes from upon your feet. And it's understood, written in all kinds of sources, in Rishayim, that the body is like the shoe for the soul. And Shalom Aleichem Al-Recha was telling me, you have to step out of physicality if you're going to come and encounter me. And on the other hand, Purim is a day of significant physicality. Purim is a day when Sudas Purim is the order of the day, the feast of the Yom Tov of Purim. Now you might say, more than any other Yom Tov, I mean, there's a mitzvah of Suda. On every Yom Tov, on every on every festival, but you know, on Purim, it's uh, it's raised to a significant to a significant form. It's true. Uh, it was on Rosh Hashanah that the Navi said, "Umishloach manos Right? Send portions. He uses the same term to those who don't have prepared. Make sure you share with others. It's halacha for every Yom Tov to make sure they have it. But look what's happened in Kal Yisrael. Hey, does anybody send Mishlayach Manas on Rosh Hashanah? Even though the Navi said at the time to his people to do so, it became Sudas Purim is Purim. Sudas Purim, we understand this Purim, and the Mishlayach Manas is supposed to be all a support of that, as is on a certain level the Matanes Slavyainim. On a certain level, it's supposed to be that as well. The, 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 the feasting of Purim is central, and it's hard to speak about a motivation for being like angels when in fact there's a, a mitzvah of a person to some degree even losing the das, uh, uh, to some degree of, of, uh, of uh, Adelo Yada. So Purim and Yom Kippur stand as opposites. But it's an opposition which we understand could go to the essence of what our task is as human beings, and that is, are we here to be angels, or are we here to be people? And let's draw it back one more step, 
one more step. You know, Yom Kippur was the day that the Torah was given to the Jewish people. You'll say, no, it wasn't. The day that the Torah was given to the Jewish people was Shavuos. The Shavuos, on Shavuos, Hashem gave us the Torah. We assembled around Har Sinai. Forty days later, he gave Meish Rabbeinu the Luchos. But those Luchos got smashed as a result of the golden calf, which also, interestingly, had to do with the Jewish people feasting and dancing in celebration of that Avodah Zarah. And then, after 80 more days, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us the Luchos Shniyos, the second set of Luchos. And that was on Yom Kippur. On Yom Kippur is the day that we got the second Luchos. In a certain sense, it was the day of the giving of the Torah. And so, interestingly, it says in the last Mishnah in Meseches Tanis, where it speaks about that there were no joyous days for the Jewish people, like Chamishasar Ba'av, like the 15th of Av, Tu Ba'av, and like Yom HaKippurim. And the, the Mishnah says, Yom Chasunasai Zematan Torah. And Rashi says, the day of Chasunose, of Hashem's marriage with the Jewish people, is the day of the giving of the Torah, says Rashi, Yem HaKippurim. The day of the Torah being given was Yom Kippur, that the second Luchais were given to us. The first Luchais were given on Shavuos, and the second Luchais were given on Yem HaKippur. Is Shavuos the opposite of Yom Kippur? Arguably, Shavuos is also the opposite of Yom Kippur. Why is that? So in the Gemara, there's a famous debate, discussion. On Yom Tov, how are you supposed to conduct yourself? So it says, Atzeres l'Hashem aleikecha, and it says, Atzeres t'yelochem. It's a Yom Tov for Hashem, it's a Yom Tov for you. So there's an opinion which says that it should be half for Hashem and half for you. You should do spiritual things and you should do material things. And then there's another opinion which says that, you know, you could take your pick. You can treat the day spiritually. You could teach the day materially. Says the Gemara, Ba'atzeres, On Shavuos, everybody agrees that you have to have for yourself. You have to have a feast. Blintzes are mandatory. Why, says the Gemara? My time, what's the reason? It's the day upon which the Torah was given. If it's the day that the Torah was given, then of course you have to feast. Now, isn't that interesting? On Yom Kippur, which we just said is the day that the Torah was given, it's the day you have to fast. It's also interesting because if I would ask you which of the Yom Tavim would the day would be the day that you should be most likely to be required to feast. The day that you got out of slavery, the day that you recall how Hashem took care of you in the desert or the day which you stood at Har Sinai to receive the Torah, the day which came after three days of Hagbola, of separation, and so on and so forth. Shavuos would probably be the last of the candidates for a day to feast, but the Gemara says it's the first of the candidates for a day to feast. Why is it? Rashi says an interpretation we've discussed at other times. However, many explain it in the following way the following beautiful, straightforward way. And that is that the Gemara tells us a famous story that all of you know. And that is that when Moshe Rabbeinu went to receive the Torah, he had to climb Har Sinai. And when he climbed Har Sinai, he didn't just go up to the top of a mountain, but he went up to Shamayim. Rashi writes twice in Parshas Yisrael how HaKadosh Baruch Hu lowered the heavens onto Har Sinai. He climbed up to Shamayim and he went to Hashem to get the Torah. But the Malachim objected. And they said, Rabbanu Shalalam, why are you giving your holy and precious Torah to those, this mundane people who live down there? Put your glory into the heavens. Let, let the Torah be in Shamayim. And Moshe Rabbeinu was commanded by HaKadosh Baruch Hu to explain to the Malachim why. Right? Go respond to them. Moshe Rabbeinu was nervous. Hashem said, don't worry. Hold on to my throne. Answer them. You'll be okay. And how did Moshe Rabbeinu answer them? He said, let's open up the Torah. What does it say? Six days you should work, and on the seventh day you should rest. You guys work for six days. 
don't steal. You, you, you have financial issues that you'd be worried about stealing. I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Mitzrayim from the house of slavery. You were slaves once and you were redeemed with salvation. None of this is relevant for you. And the Malachim agreed. Now, of course, there's a Torah which existed, so to speak, before the world was created. There's a Torah which is of eternal values and so on and so forth. World, values which are outside of this world, beyond the technicalities that we read in the lines of the Torah. But what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, we all understand, was that the goal of Hashem giving the Torah was to bring the Torah to bear on the material world. Angels, you can keep Torah up there, but it will be a spiritual Torah in a spiritual world. The greatness that can be accomplished is to bring the spiritual Torah into the material world. That's what Matan Torah was. And so the Malachim acknowledged and said, okay, you're right, it makes sense. This is a big deal to bring Torah, as we would say, down to earth, to bring Torah into the world. And that's why the Gemara says, on Shavuos, of course you have to eat. Why? Because it's the day that the Torah was given. <laughs> you want to not eat? You want to be like an angel? HaKadosh Baruch will say, hey guys, I've got better angels up here. I don't need you to be angels. The reason why I gave you the Tyran Shavuos was because you're humans. So go ahead, be humans. Be humans and bring Tyra to your humanity, your humanity. But then listen to what happens. Then we committed the Chet Egel. we committed the sin of the golden calf. And the next thing that happens, Hashem gives us the Tyra again. We get forgiveness, we gain forgiveness, and Hashem gives us the Torah again. And how does He give it to us? He gives it to us on Yom Kippur. And on Yom Kippur, guess what we do? We act like angels. Why isn't there the same response? If I wanted to give Torah to angels, I would have given it to the ones up here. I didn't need to give it to the ones down there. So what's going on? You understand the problem? Pretty straightforward problem. Shavuos, of course it's the day you should eat because it's the day that the Torah was given and Torah is meant to be brought down to earth. So what is this? So I'm going to answer this question. You, you know the answer to the question. I'm just going to say it, okay? I don't have, you, you know the answer to the question. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it and I'm going to say it to you by, um, by reading to you a couple of what we call Mishnahis, they're not really Mishnahis, a couple of statements from the last chapter of Pirkei Ovis, which is not really Mishnah, thank you. And that is, the, here, here's, here's one. Perek Vav Mishnah Aleph of Pirkei Ovis. Kol anyone who involves themselves in Torah for its sake, he merits many, many things. And not only that, the whole world was worthy of being created for the person who's engaged in Torah for its stake. The entire world is worthy of being created for that person. Everything you see is worthy of existence so that that person should be able to study Torah for its sake. Good? Mishnah goes on with a whole bunch of other things. That's number one. Now, Let's go ahead to paragraph Dalid. Vav, Perek Vav, Mishnah Dalid, or Memra Dalid in Pirkei Avos. Kach hi darka shel This is the way of Torah. Pas bamelach tochel. Eat bread with salt. Umayim bamesura tishta. Drink water in measure. Valhooretz tishan. Sleep on the ground. Vechayetzar tichya. And live a life of deprivation. Uvatayra ata omel and toil in the Torah. Got it? What's, what's that describing? It's describing a life of dedication to Torah, which of course is a life of austerity, of just mamish having the bare minimum. Right? Rav Aaron 
Leib Steinman. Right? He had a potato for lunch. That was his meal. A potato with a little broth. And they would work to try to find a big potato because they wanted him to eat and he would eat a potato. So, yesh potatoes. The yesh potatoes. So they wanted to get him a big potato. A man who lived, you saw the way he lived. He didn't eat anything. He didn't sleep. He didn't have any kind of uh, luxuries. But one second, I don't get it. The whole world exists for, for that person. So if there's such a thing as a palace in the world, it should be his palace. If there's such a thing as a delicious rib roast, it should be his delicious rib roast. If there's such a thing as a $800 bottle of wine, it should be his $800 bottle of wine. But yet, he's not even having bottled water. So explain to me how this works. The whole world is for him, but yet, what does he do? He has none of it. Problem. No? Isn't it a problem? So you know the answer to the question. It's not a problem. There's no contradiction. The whole world was created for him. But you know what happens when you get involved in the world? You get distracted. And you start thinking about the world, about that rib roast, and the beautiful palace, and the bottle of wine, as the purpose. Not that it was created for the sake of supporting the Torah Lishma, the Torah being studied for its sake. But instead it becomes the object, the direction, and the person who will succeed, who will gain what the Rambam refers to as Kisra Shal Torah, the crown of Torah, will have one goal in their life, and that is the Torah, nothing else. You'll give them the other stuff? Well, maybe at some point they might be able to take it. They won't feel that they're going to be distracted, but they're never going to pursue it. They're never going to pursue it. How could they pursue it? They're pursuing tachlis. They're pursuing what everything is about. And the story of our lives is that we have all of this stuff, which is there as what we would call in the, you know, in the, in the Torah vernacular, hechsher mitzvah, things which are there to help us do the right thing, but they end up sometimes distracting us and being something which, dis- which take us away from what it's all about. And so it's true. The whole world, everything that exists in the world, the palace, the rib roast, and the wine, was all created for the person who studies Torah Lishma. But he's not going to go after it. Because if he goes after it, he's not going to be studying Torah Lishma for long. That's the almost, quote-unquote, impossible problem. How do you have it and stay above it? Rebbe, Rabbi Yudah Hanasi. The Gemara says, Rashi quotes part of it in Chumash, that there was a man named Antoninus and a man named Rebbe. Antoninus was a descendant of Esav. Rebbe was a descendant of Yaakov. And this was one good partnership. Antoninus used to study Torah from Rebbe. Marcus Aurelius used to study Torah from Rebbe Yudah Hanasi. And the Gemara says they were both super wealthy people. They had on their table every season... They had snow and chazeres. They had every kind of vegetable, right? which nowadays we say big deal. You go to the supermarket. This month they get it from New Zealand. The next month they'll get it from California. Right? But it, it, once upon a time, to have these things all year, they were extremely wealthy. Rebbe had it all. And when Rebbe was dying, the Gemara says in Ksubis, he held up his hands and he said, I want to testify that in all my life I didn't enjoy of this world, even even like a pinky, whatever that means. He had it all on his table, and he didn't partake. The whole world was his. But he didn't want to get distracted. Shavuos, the Torah was given to us because we're human beings. 
And then, you know what? We created and worshipped the eagle because we're human beings. Not in the lofty sense, because we're human beings. And what did we end up bowing down to and worshipping? An animal. Which, of course, is like a loaded symbolic act where people who have bodies like animals and we're people who have souls that come from the Rabbani Shalalem and we're supposed to spend our lives worshipping, serving, pursuing the Spirit. And 40 days after the Torah was given to us after her, at Har Sinai, we were feasting and dancing and bowing and worshipping to the animal. And we lost it. And so we needed to have a new tactic, a new approach, and that is to be human beings that don't let that part of ourselves get the better of us. And that's Yom Kippur. But that's not the ideal picture. It's not. It's not the ideal picture. The ideal picture is human beings that all of the material stuff around us helps to create a world of the Spirit, a world that the Spirit is able to occupy and uplift, where the world isn't just a challenge, a distraction, but the world becomes a place into which God and the Spirit can expand, can take it over. You can have people going and eating and drinking, and it's not... Yeah, it's, wow. As the, as the Mishnah says elsewhere in Pirkei three people sit at a table, and they say divrei Torah around the table, it's as if they're eating from the Mizbeach. It's as if, what's a Mizbeach? You take this animal, and you bring it up to Hashem. Well, if we're sitting around the table, and we're eating, and right there as we're eating, we're saying on it words of Torah. What we're doing is, we're saying is, I know what the purpose is. If I'm sitting at the table and I'm saying, wow, where did you get that roast? Well, let's talk about the wine selection and so on and so forth. Then you're feasting lishma for the sake of feasting. But if you're sitting around the table and you eat nicely and it feels good, right? And it allows you to be able to say great things and talk about the Torah and sing sings miras, then that's bringing up the physical to the Rabbana Shalala. And that's the ideal. And we get stuck. It's, the ideal is not always practical. The ideal is not always practical. So Yom Kippur for us is a critical day. It's a critical day. That's the day of reality, quote-unquote, of human failure, of the fall from the heights of Harsinai. Thank goodness it wasn't such a tall mountain, right? But the fall from the heights of, of the, the heights of our Sinai, which we experienced with the breaking of the luches, and then okay, now we have the results. We have the results. We have to realize that it's tricky, that we talk a lot about this idea of sanctifying the, the physical, but when we eat the bowl of cholent, it doesn't always get experienced that way. And maybe you need a, a yom kippur. Sorry, you wanted to say something. Bothered by the example of um, the great person who, in his dying moments, is saying, "I didn't get this much pleasure from the physical world." Isn't that an insult to Hakadosh Baruch Hu? If he had every, isn't aren't we supposed to elevate the physical to the spiritual? So how is that not <coughs> insulting to say, "I didn't get any pleasure"? If I would have been okay if the script said. Um, I know that all of my pleasure in this world will not compare to what's coming and I'm looking for. But just isn't that a lack of gratitude? Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's an excellent question. And in fact, with that attitude that you're expressing, there are many who understand that what Rebbe was saying was not that I had no pleasure, but I had no pleasure as something separate, as something as, a, as an end in its own. And it's fascinating that Rabbi Yudha Hanasi, first of all, was 
one of the, the, the Gemara brings as the first example since Moshe Rabbeinu of Torah Ugdula B'Mokom Echad, both Torah greatness and material greatness in one person, in one place. And the Gemara says that even when Rabbi Yudah Nasi died, he used to come back to the physical world. Every Erev Shabbos he would come back to the physical world. Until one day when a neighbor came to borrow a cup of sugar on Erev Shabbos and knocked on the door and the maid said, Shh, Rabbi Yudah Nasi is here. And then he said, uh-oh, people know about it. I can't keep coming. Right? So again, it's a very fascinating agada. But the idea was that Rabbi Yudhanasi was the one who said it. And by the way, also, again, I mean, this, this is a, a snapshot of long, longer discussions. But, but, but what did Rabbi Yudhanasi teach? In Pirkei Avis, right? He said... I'm sorry, Ramil Benayshavidanasi said, It's good to have Talmud Torah together with working the world, the way of the world, the toil of the two of them together. That was their world. That was their that was their teaching. So it's you have to know you have to know what it means. The, the idea that you're saying is is correct. His son, his son. It was Rav Gamil, the son of Rabbi Danasi. So so the 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 um so this is the dynamic in which we are. And as you know, Purim is also a yantav of the receiving of the Torah. Purim is the day of Kimu Vekiblu, when we reaffirmed our acceptance of the Torah. And in a sense, what would you expect? We got the Torah. Shavuos, we got the Torah. Then we lost it. Yom Kippur, we got it back. So what's the Kimu V'Kiblu? What's the reaffirmation? The reaffirmation is, well, Yom Kippur's acceptance of the Torah wasn't perfect. It wasn't, wasn't so perfect. And in a certain sense, right, it's a little bit beyond the scope of our discussion for today, the time we have to dedicate it for today, the Gemara makes it as, because the mountain was held over our heads, you know, the Kofa Aleim Harkagigis thing. So whatever, it's not for us for this moment to, to explain, but it's that same dynamic and Purim brings it back to Shavuos. Purim brings it back to accepting the Torah within the material world. So we've spent some time here, in a certain sense, to understand that that's a big part of that, that which we're trying to do. We're trying to be able to infuse it with the presence of Hashem, which, of course, fits the broader theme of Purim which is that we're used to Pesach, where HaKadosh Baruch Hu swoops in and you could point him and say, wow, there's God. What's the novelty of Purim? Is that in this ugly story of Achashverosh cutting off Vashti's head, God's there too. Hashem's there too. And in Big Son and Seresh plotting to kill Achashverosh, Hashem's there too. And in Esther, getting chosen in the pageant of Achashverosh, Hashem is there too. The Hashem is in everything. The Hashem's presence fills everything, which is exactly what we're trying to do when we bring Hashem into our physicality, that Hashem fills everything. But again, this is some, something, a framework of Purim to discuss this in, but let's come back to Shabbos. And that's, that's Shabbos. Shabbos is six days in the week. You work. You work in the material world. You do all of this stuff. And then the seventh day is Shabbos. Shabbos for Hashem. So we have two ways you can experience Shabbos. One is, ah, that's six days in the physical world. Yuck. Finally, I have Shabbos. I don't have to go into that, into that workplace. I get to spend the day in shul. I get to spend the day in my house. That's great. A break from the rest of the week. But that's not the way Shabbos is structured. You can't have Shabbos if you don't have the other six days. There is no Shabbos without the other six days. You can't have Shabbos seven days. If you had Shabbos seven days, you wouldn't have anything to eat on Shabbos or on any of the, the other days. Shabbos is what the six days 
prepared for. Shabbos requires us not to escape the material world. But Shabbos requires us to focus the material world toward it. Hayoyim yoyim rishayin l'shabbos. Hayoyim yoyim sheni l'shabbos. Today is the first day to Shabbos. So what does that mean? So again, we could take it as an escape statement. Only six more days till Shabbos. Right? Count down. Only five more days till Shabbos. Can't wait to get to Shabbos. Or today is the first day in which I will be building something towards Shabbos. Shabbos is the arrival point. Shabbos is the purpose. Shabbos is the destination. And what's Shabbos? That's how you count the days. We're building towards a crescendo, a climax, a purpose. And when we eat and drink on Shabbos, it's for a purpose. It's for a purpose. And the purpose isn't eating and drinking. The purpose is we eat and we drink and then we say and tishbachas and praises to HaKadosh Baruch It's the crescendo. It's what it's all about. Yom HaShavihi, the seventh day. Why is Shabbos the seventh day? So this is a staple of Jewish thought from the Maral of Prague. You all have probably heard this at one point or the other. And that is that there are six days. Like any three-dimensional thing has six sides. Right? You have east and west and north and south and up and down, right? And there's your cube. There's your box. There's your three-dimensional frame. We're seven. Seven is the content. Seven is what's inside the box. What it's about. Shabbos, as I explained to you somewhere earlier in this discussion, as Rav Hutner explained, right? It's the content of the clay. The difference, Hashem makes the world on Shabbos the same way He makes the world today, like He did yesterday, like He did today, He'll do on Shabbos. The world continues, right? Hashem has to be mechadesh, b'choyim, asabreshes. But on Shabbos, the focus is on the content. It's what it's about. The purpose. The purpose is Lashem. The purpose is the shiras, the shishbaches. That's why it's the seventh day. It's the seventh day is to fill it out. That's the completion and look what happened with Achashverosh and his crew. What was their seventh day? What did Vashti do with the Jewish girls on the seventh day? He had the, she had them serve him unclo- her unclothed. Achashverosh called upon her to come unclothed. Once upon a time, Adam and Chava walked around that way. Before they were distracted by the material pleasures of the world, which were there to enhance people's service of Hashem, but in the original, quote-unquote, the original sin, it became a distraction. They said, it looks so good, I want it, even though it's against what Hashem created it for. And as a result of that, they became unclothed. They became, their, their lack of being clothed became an embarrassment, right? Because parts of their physicality were a distraction and therefore really were a lowering of what the human condition was supposed to be. And that's why the Gemara says in Meseches Shabbos, and Af Kuf Yud Gimel 113, Ahmed Aleph says the Gemara, you should honor it from your normal path. Your clothing on Shabbos should be different than your clothing during the week. Rav Yechanan would refer to his clothes as his honor. 
as that which were an expression of his dignity, of the greatness of a human being, is that they are this way, because there's something higher in you. And the body is just a, a clea, it's just a container for it. It's just a container for it. And it's part of Kavit Shabbos, to, to be dignified, to be a human being who understands that all this other stuff, I'm embarrassed of it to the extent that it's a distraction. I cover it up to the extent that it diverts me from what life is about. Put that away. Hide that for now. Let's think about bigger things. That's the Kavit Shabbos. Kavit Shabbos is focus. The shiras v'sishbachis that come out when we feast means that we're using the material world in order to be able to be higher people, to be greater people, to be uplifted, instead of the people of Achashveresh, who they partook of the material world, and boy, did it lower them. It became the purpose, the end, the source of indignity, the source of embarrassment. That's the story of Purim, their version. And then we have the story of Purim, our version, our version, to see, to be able to be restored to having the world as something which we use for bigger things, not a distraction. Everything that exists in this world, we can lift it all up and it could pull us all down. This is what the difference is supposed to be. And the difference is in a Shabbos table with Torah and with Tishbachis. So yes, Shabbos is a day to remember Hashem. It's a day of the Spirit. It's a day to praise HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Nishmas kol chai tevorech. If the soul is alive, it's recognizing Hashem and it's praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But if it only does it in shul, right? And then... When you sit at the table, and you take a you, know, you take a, you know you're just sleep you know and so on and so forth. It's like something else. It's all supposed to be the focal point. The real success of Tzvilas Shabbos is when it's at our table. That's the real success of the prayers of Shabbos, of the praises of Shabbos. It's the real success. The Mishnah that says this thing about eating bread and sleeping on the ground, it says, if you do this, it will be fortunate for this for you in this world and good for you in the world to come. Geschmack. You have to feel the joy. Right? Without it, it's very, very difficult. There's a very famous story about one of the great G'daylam of the last uh, generation, the last century, who uh, lived in an apartment building in Eretz Yisrael. And um, he, uh, this G'dal, his he had, Baruch Hashem, he had fine children, but his children didn't continue his path exactly of becoming G'daylay his sons. And he had a neighbor in the apartment building who was a regular professional guy, and his sons became G'dayle Taira. And somebody asked if maybe they got the babies mixed up somewhere in the building. Like, like what happened over there? They asked him, what's the pshat? Why is it this way? And he said, I'll tell you why. He says, because at his table they sang Zmiris. I didn't sing Zmiris. I didn't sing Zmiris. I just said Taira at the table. And, um, you know, so when you do that sometimes, it's like you're separating, like, all the good stuff, you know? You know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's bringing a whole world together. Everybody's tempted by the world. Everybody. Nobody's not tempted by the world. And the people who aren't tempted by the world have to also recognize that they might not be tempted by the world, but their children are tempted by the world. And so when you can show that, you know, this is, it's Geshmak. You know, let's sing, let's feast and sing. And it's the 
the tachlis. It's what you know. It's 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 for something higher. You have a better shot. You have a much better shot. Okay, everybody should have a good day. Have a good day.